Welcome to Three R Sports with a special edition of Stretch the Chain. We've been absolutely crazy lately. Braves in the World Series. Let me get far enough back. You can see my official, hey, and which way does it go? Daddy Daughters logo on the side of it. But first of all, congratulations to the Atlanta Braves world champions. Raj Mehta is going to be joining us in about 10 minutes, but already online. Your favorite and my favorite, the only honest football commissioner ever, Robbie Davis. <laughs> oh, thank you. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. Got my blue hoodie on again because that's what I roll with. Is that a look for you? This is this is my this is my come home from work and this is what I put on every day look. I just got a question. Are we going to hear a NASCAR Finals champion tonight at some point? Oh, you know it. I'm so pumped up about this. Like I'm so happy the Titans play Sunday night football. Red zone all day with the race on the bottom TV and then captivating the week with the Titans game. I'm so pumped. You are pumped. Now let's bring in the man whose team was unexpectedly ranked higher than we all thought, ranked above a couple of undefeated teams, uh, which we'll get into in the first. But first of all, the man that's been mourning for the week because the king is dead. Yeah. Brandon Chandler. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, um, I was surprised by the rankings. There were there were a few surprises in there. I think for the most part, the committee tried to hold true to somewhat of an eye test um, until it came to Alabama. <laughs> but uh, you know, and oh, I'm sorry, not I, but head to head, that was the big one. You know, head to head was a big deal, uh, except for the Alabama uh, game. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Alabama's Alabama. They're um, on track. Uh, I just – if Georgia beats them in the SEC championship, I don't see how you can keep Alabama in. Uh, but, yeah, some of these rankings, you know, well, we got Wake Forest. Um, that's going to be – they're already a two-and-a-half-point dog to North Carolina. That's uh, – I've got a first question. I'll send it to Robbie since you made your statement. Then I'll come right back to you. Because I think like most of America, you believe the one loss principle only applies to Alabama. But Robbie Davis, ranked one, Georgia. Ranked two, Alabama. Ranked through Michigan State. Brandon said Alabama was the only team not punished by being a one-loss team. Number four, Oregon. Lost to Stanford. Worst loss of anyone in the top ten, in my opinion. Is the committee not punishing you for a loss as heavily in the past? So this ranking, while I don't disagree with the top four teams necessarily, the order of them, though, leads you to believe or maybe shows you what you already thought that this is a TV production show and they are setting up for if whoever loses the SEC championship game, they're hoping it's Georgia and they can slot them to three or, but even if it's Alabama, can we keep them in at four? 
to put those two teams right there, they're showing this is a TV show, and they want the most eyeballs there. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Michigan State, they're undefeated. Are they better than Ohio State? I mean, we'll find out, which is the, the kind of the sideways end of this. But I don't think so. I don't think Michigan was all that good. You don't, you don't. Good teams don't blow thirty to twelve lead to thirty to sixteen, whatever it was. Um, the so yeah, I mean, I think that's what this is set up for. Like they're they're. It's like when you're negotiating, you're starting high, wanting to end somewhere. They know where they want to end, and this is how they have to get there. And so yeah, losses. They're just hey. This is what we're doing, and we can spin the we can spin it how we want through the media. The one team that I mean, I don't know if got screws the right word, but I mean Cincinnati. What, what more can you do? You scheduled you scheduled Indiana, who was a top fifteen team when you start the season. You played at their place. You played at Notre Dame, and they're saying it's still not enough. And then their schedule is only going to get worse from here. So basically, again, goes back to the TV show theme. Cincinnati's not the draw. They're going to get left behind. All right, Brandon Chain. So, I, I agree with Robbie. Do you agree, Oregon 4, they head-to-head beat Ohio State? Now, what happens in this scenario? Ohio State beats Michigan State. Both of them run the table from there. Yeah, so – if Ohio State beats Michigan State and they both run the table, Ohio State's in. Um, also, I agree with Oregon should be ahead of Ohio State right now. Now, I know Ohio State's a different team than when they played Oregon and they're improving. And, you know, we've got games set up down the, down the road in the schedule to, to prove that. Um, we just, you know, we went out, we're in, is my opinion. But – the head-to-head, you know, like Robbie said, it's a TV production. It only matters for certain instances. Instances Like, you know, Alabama, that loss was terrible. Like, that was a really bad loss. And for them to be number two after that loss, I could see them maybe sliding into number four, number five. I agree, Cincinnati. Um I think that two-lane game hurt them. They should have beat them by 50, and they didn't. And I think that's what really caused them to slide out of the top. I actually do agree with the committee. I think they're, they're it's pretty obvious with Oklahoma. Uh, the eye test there, you just watch them. They're just not a good football team. And I think – a horrible conference. And a horrible conference. And, I, and their ranking may even be too high. I don't know. Um but you can really – you can go two through six and you can make an argument pretty much for for or against any one of those teams. So, like like you said, Robbie, it's a, it's a production. It's a TV show. They're, they're setting traps in play, if you will, that when these games start to play out like everyone knows uh, one way or another, that's going to move these rankings. This is – this was just uh, – I mean, it, it really means nothing at this point until these games get played out. So. Well, so one thing to keep your eye on is they ranked A&M at 14. So Alabama's loss 
is on the road to number 14 ranked team. Watch where A&M goes and watch them try to justify A&M rising and then saying, oh, Alabama's maybe two losses are on the road to a top 10 A&M team and essentially a home game in Atlanta to Georgia. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because you look at some of the teams that are ranked ahead of them, Notre Dame, Wake Forest, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor. I mean – those teams could easily fall uh, yeah, all the way down. Keep, and then Oklahoma, Oklahoma, or uh, yeah, Texas A&M could easily, you know, slide in there to that top 10, like you said, to yeah. make their loss relevant. And, yep. Yep. And, and that's yeah. just, it's a cat and mouse game. And then it always is. It, it's still the BCS. They try and do this college playoff pick. They still control everything. It, it is, it's a production. It's, you know, it's a different format of the same old crap we've been getting for years. Um, so, you know, the the the, the, have the, they, the have, Robbie, have they created a pseudo eighteen playoff? Because now you have Michigan, Michigan State, and Michigan involved. You have Georgia, Alabama involved. You have Oregon involved. You've really, really put some interest in it by the rankings and you've got kind of an NFL feel going down the stretch. If I'm not the SEC or the big 10, I'm looking at these rankings and I'm terrified because Oregon's not going to make it. They don't have enough wins left. Um, You have Oklahoma at eight behind one loss, Michigan, one loss, Ohio state. You have Wake Forest behind Oklahoma and those Big Ten teams. Guys, it very well could be an SEC Big Ten Final Four. That, yeah. that was where I was heading. Yeah, I totally agree. One-loss Michigan State, a one-loss Ohio State, a one-loss Alabama, and a one-loss Georgia. Are they not the best four teams in the country, Brandon? I mean, right now it looks that way, but, you know, they've got some tough games ahead of them. Um, You know, somebody's got to lose Ohio State-Michigan, and then, of course, we've got to play Ohio State-Michigan State, and, of course, we've got to play Michigan, you know, again. So that right there, uh, Ohio State, if they win, that's a a number four-ranked team potentially and a number seven-ranked team potentially. Two big signature wins. Um, one at home, one one away. Um, that that could be good and get Ohio State in. But you know, where does that leave Cincinnati? Like you said, I mean, they're they're left on the outside, and they've done everything they can possibly do, and it's just they don't draw enough attention, and they don't have uh, the followings that some of the these Power Fives do, and it's just unfortunate that. That was this whole thing of the playoffs set up, right? That you're supposed to be able uh, to to play anyone and and get in. But what else can you do when you schedule tough schedules? Uh, you beat teams on the road. That Notre Dame on the road was a signature win. Like, what else can they do? And they still don't get – if they go undefeated and, you know, are left outside, I mean, I get it, but it's it, – what else do you do? I mean, well, I, and- it's just – and you have to schedule so far in advance. So, like, you're just saying, hey, not only do we schedule tough, 
we have to make sure we have to get lucky and those teams be good when we hit them. Right. You know, I mean, they could say, hey, I'll schedule Tennessee, Florida, um, you know, LSU all the same year. If they schedule them this year, oh, they have no good wins. Well, those are three programs that you would love to schedule. And they just don't happen to be good. Right. Well, and so I'm I'm for I heard this on uh, some talk show or podcast or something, some type of flex schedule. So you, you schedule in a conference. Um, it's yet to be determined which team and in, in that conference that you're going to play because ranked, you know, based on relatively re- relativity to your ranking of that year, like everyone wants to watch good games. So why why would you, you know, have a number one team in their conference play a you know number 10 team in the other conference or whatever uh so that flex schedule and then you can set terms you know the beginning of that year based on you know the pre-rankings and stuff i think that would be more entertaining and would bode well for you know both parties involved Uh, you know who knows if that'll ever happen yeah just real quick who i think sitting pretty in all this is if it becomes a round robin so between Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, the team with if, if there's a team with one loss that doesn't have to play in the Big Ten championship, that's just sitting there and watching the dominoes fall around them. I think they're in a good shape to swoop up for that fourth spot. Yes, good, good. It, and that would be Michigan State with the schedule having already beat mm-hmm. Michigan. So they and, would be the team that could, with one loss that wouldn't play. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I would Michigan. like. I'd, I'd like that if I was Michigan State. Yes. So, uh, if Rods doesn't join us, we'll move on. But I want to ask one more question. I'm going to give you my top four, and throw all the other stuff out. My four best football teams in the country: Georgia, Michigan State, Alabama, Ohio State, Brendan Jane. What's your? I don't. I don't disagree. Um, like I said, Georgia's you know a clear clear number one. Um, I think you can take two through. I mean Cincinnati. It's hard not to give them credit. Like I said, it it, it is. But I mean two through six. We'll see how it plays out. I, I'm obviously. I think Ohio State's one of the top four teams in the country, especially it, right now. But my, my my point to all that is, Ohio State's lost to Oregon. Isn't as bad as Oregon's lost to Stanford. And right. I don't care if it's head to head. You lost to a good football team on the road. You lost to a bad football team on the road. I'll take the good loss over the bad loss. That's yeah. just the eye test to me. I agree. Okay. Well, and um, I. I don't disagree with the four. I disagree with the order. I think it's Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan State. Um, so that's just nitpicking. Just who I think would win head-to-head. I think Ohio State's going to beat Michigan State. I think Georgia is probably going to be Alabama. I think either of them probably beat Ohio State. But, I mean, it, get, it gets closer. I think Ohio State, Alabama are really close. And I think they're both better than Michigan State. And I think Georgia's separated themselves from those two. Mm-hmm. 
George is really damn good. Yeah, their defense is sick too. So I don't. It, let's, you know. uh, let's move on to another subject while we wait on uh, Raj. And I'm kind of trying to save the subject because I think he would make most interest in until he gets here. He's running a minute late. So let's go on to Nashville. And I, I'm not a Titans fan, and I still do not believe in that offense outside of 22. I think everything's predecessor off of King Henry, and, and Tannehill's success is somewhat due to 22. But this week we found out Still debate it whether it's for the season, but it's for a big chunk of the season at worst. Jeremy McNichols is the obvious replacement on roster, but he's more of a smaller back, uh, a change of pace back. They sign Adrian Peterson, who's two years younger than me, <laughs> off the off the street, and he's going to be the backup, or he's going to be, I guess, the main ball carrier. Robbie, we'll start with you. Let's just put it in a reason. What's the Titans' new expectations now? So I don't think the expectations change. I think the path to them is altered. But we are in luck, we being the Titans, obviously. Um, The division's horrible. And the Jets very well may beat the Colts tonight. And if they do... It's game over. Titans just have to beat the Jags, Jags twice, uh, Texans, and and that's it to win the division. So you have a home playoff game. You may have to win two on the road. Um, but I mean, Nichols is McNichols is he's a good scatter back, and um, I don't know if Peterson's going to play that much. It's more I think it's more of a depth kind of thing. Um, but I mean, Tannehill like. Tannehill was highly drafted at AM. He had Adam Gaze, who just destroyed him. Uh, since he's been in Nashville, he's been an accurate passer. Yes, he gets the benefit of one-on-one coverage. But those one-on-one receivers, it's still A.J. Brown and Julio. Those are still number one receivers that can get open. Julio, if he can get healthy. A.J. can get open against anybody. Um, so I don't think it's doom and gloom. Yes, it's hard to lose your – I mean, not your, a NFL MVP candidate, you know, the best running back in football. Um, but I think the Titans manage at 500 from here on out. You may be the number two seed, three seed. Like, it, it, it doesn't change things. I think it makes it more difficult, but the sky is falling. It is not. Um, the Titans, Vrabel's a great coach. The defense is getting better. Um the schedule lightens up after the Rams this weekend. I mean, hey, it's a bad week. Rams are probably going to kill them. But um, after that, it gets easier, and they'll gain confidence and get more used to without Henry. Well, it's Meta joining us. Welcome, but let's get to Brandon Chain first. Rods, to get you up speed, we're talking about the Titans. Future without Derrick Henry. So, Brandon, do you think Jeremy McNichols can carry the ball 12 times a game? Catch four or five out. Let's go back and look at the Atlanta Falcons in 2017 with Devontae Freeman, a smaller back, but a more traditional back than McNichols. But an offense that featured two explosive off outside receivers and a quarterback, a, a serviceable 
mid-level quarterback, Tannehill Ryan, I think they're very comparable. Right. Did the Titans become 2017 Falcons? Um, possibly. So here, here's my thought on it. Um, from what I've been hearing on, you know, Titans radio locally, one, they didn't, they didn't bring in AP for, you know, just depth necessarily. Uh, I think their plan is, is first and second down back with AP. I think he's going to be, uh, for all talks in practice, uh, you know, today and yesterday, he had, he had pads on today, looked great, still runs violently. Now he's got a lot of miles on the tires. We're not going to see 25 carries out of AP. You know, I think we're going to get more of that 12 to 15 range. Um, but he's going to be the first and second down guy. Um, mixed in with uh, Foreman and McNichols is going to be your third down passing situation uh, type guy. It's going to be running back by committee. I think they're going to try and stick to somewhat the same game plan. Um, but you got to look at what the defense is going to do now. Now we're not going to be seeing eight, nine men in the box. We're going to be seeing nickel dime packages. You know, we're going to see four or five, maybe six rushers. Um, so that's going to change the scheme of things a little bit. I think we got to be creative. We, we've got to take what one guy and King Henry can do and, and take two or three guys and try and create that same dynamic in the backfield with that. But Vrabel's a run-first guy. Um, you know, he said in the press conference right after Henry, it, it was, we still plan on running the ball. If you're looking at us to pass 45 times a game, you know, that, that's not who we are. So they're going to find ways. They're going to think outside the box um, and, and get creative there in the backfield. And it, and it might actually be okay, you know, not facing nine guys in the box every time. So, um, like Robbie said, I, th I think it's business as usual. They just got to get a little more creative. Uh, after this Rams game, I think it's going to be a little bit of regroup. This will be a true test. And with such short notice, uh, it, it's hard to get everyone prepared but um yeah i see i see us definitely home playoff um and if we can get henry back by the playoffs uh, would be you know ideal and don't discount Tannehill's ability to run on short Absolutely. yardage short yardage pickup for you just turn and hand it to henry they can spread them out and let Tannehill run to the edges like i said they're going to get creative they're going to use two or three guys to create that one guy uh, of what henry's dynamic could do it's going to take a committee um but you know these these guys are smart um i love rabel and i think they're going to be fine roger meadow was you shocked that the titans didn't make a move yesterday at the trade deadline because i kind of expected to see somebody we didn't think of move of uh, Philip Lindsay from Texas, you know, somebody that's a backup somewhere with maybe some NFL experience. Or do you think that the Titans feel like they've got enough in the tank to replace him? I mean, I think as Rob said, the schedule is a key. Uh, if they were facing the gauntlet, I think they would have done more. Um, I thought they were going to get after Ronald Jones, uh, Ronald Jones, the old SC guy. Um, you know, a hard north and south runner, uh, you know, built even though he's around the same height and size as McNichols and 
Darrington Evans, who's hurt for the year. Those guys are both kind of scat backs. Um, Jones runs hard and he can catch the football. And um, that's the difference with AP. He's never been known for catching the football. That's my concern is how one dimensional they're going to be because Derrick Henry can catch the football. Derrick Henry is a freak of nature. Derrick Henry is 280 pounds and runs a 4 4. And that's not even that much of an embellishment. But he can do it all. Um, you know, I don't expect a lot from Nichols in that sense. You know, it'd probably be the third down back. But, you know, I did think they'd go out and get somebody else. You know, maybe Todd Gurley, who's still out there. Maybe they still make a deal. I don't under, you know, the logistics it seems like there's always trades after the deadline or people that are released, you know, some behind the scenes handshakes. Yeah, I was a little surprised. I know Tampa asks for a lot for Jones, but Philip Lindsay, you know, other guys, even a guy like Devontae Booker, uh, you know, just a north and south runner that, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more, as Brandon said, on Tannehill running the ball. And uh, now that Julio's healthy, you know, they'll, I think they'll stretch the field a little bit more. It was kind of funny. I read an article that all Vrabel said to, Peterson is don't do dumb shit. Uh, you don't really yeah. have to say that to Adrian Peterson. You know, he's going to run north and south. It's exactly, I mean, it fits in great for what they need. Um, but I'm a little surprised, but I think they're going to be fine. Like those guys said, it's not exactly. Well, the gauntlet. well just real quick. They're, so the Titans right now in the clubhouse with six wins leading the AFC Coming up, you have Saints at home, Texans at home, Jags at home, Dolphins at home, and at Texans. That's That should be five wins. That gets you in the clubhouse at 11, 11 wins. Hey, um, how'd that Jets game go, by the way? Hey, the Jets are getting better. They weren't when the Titans played them. <laughs> we suck. showed them the blueprint of how to improve. Hell, if we don't meet the twice, I'll I'll stop watching the NFL. Any given Sunday is the point. Do we see Derrick Henry in 2021? Yeah. Yeah. He'll be in the playoffs. We've only got so much of the Super Bowl window. He'll be in the playoffs. He's a freak of nature. He'll heal faster than anyone else. Yeah. Let's, Let's remind everybody, which we'll cover soon enough, the Braves just won a World Series without Ronald Acuna, who's arguably the top three baseball players in the nation. But we'll come to that a little later. We'll we'll let Rod get warmed up because he may have been the first person I heard say the Braves are going to win the World Series. All right, let's move on. Anybody got anything else on the Titans? Because I think we – any chance they beat the Rams? No. Yeah. Anybody want the Rams? Any I mean, given Saturday, there, uh, Sunday. There's rather. a chance. There's a chance. I mean, Rams are beatable. And I if mean, you're the Rams, Bills and the Chiefs. You know the Rams haven't know seen. The Rams haven't ahead, seen this set. The Rams haven't seen. You know, no one has seen an NFL a Titans offense without Derrick Henry. So, how creative can we get? You know, Jalen Ramsey worries me on AJ. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree, but it's the NFL. And and like Chain said, 
you, know, you think the Rams, they don't know that Derrick Henry's done for the year. They think they're going to show up and eat this team. Anything can happen. And if Tannehill gets going with those legs, uh, you know, I, it's the NFL any given Sunday, like the Jets yeah. over the Titans. I'm going to say that as much exactly. as possible, by the way. No, and it should be said because that, that's exactly what it was, was any given Sunday where we overlooked the team and we got our butts kicked. So so we need to move on. So let's go on to a subject that's going to be very hard for me to talk about. It, it is truly – I wish I hadn't watched the video that we had distributed in our group chat. Tragedy struck the NFL this week. Henry Ruggs driving over the legal limit in Las Vegas, and no matter what your opinion of it is, it's a dumb move. But at 156 miles an hour, has a fatal wreck. What, outside of the ramification of football, and we'll get to football in a second, what positive could young people learn from this situation that may cause someone to to not repeat what he's done. And Robbie, as we'll start with you, and I don't know how much you know about the Vegas Nevada statutes, but it seems like to me this is going to be at least a sizable term in in, in confinement for him. Um yeah, let me just not correct what you said, but just edit what you said. This isn't an NFL tragedy. This is a tragedy for a family. You are exactly right. Um, an NFL player. And so let me back up. The, I'll take the NFL. The NFL players are very well and generally behaved in society. The percentage of them that get arrested versus the percentages of that age group in males is um, – unbelievably well behaved so don't take this into a thuggery or rich entitled man this is a guy who made a very bad decision and unfortunately um a young girl and um, family lost a loved one um and so let's start off there this what you were asking about um the nevada nevada laws it is a DUI resulting in death is a class B felony, which is the second highest um, crime you can be charged with, or in that category that you can be charged with there. He is facing um, a minimum of two years to 20 years in prison. Um, I don't know his criminal history, if he has any. I hope he does not. I hope this was a one-off horrible decision. Um, This is a kid who probably, to the best of my knowledge, worked his Life off, he had, my understanding is he had a friend who was killed in a car wreck, and he did, uh, I think, a number three salute for him every time he scored, um, which makes this just all just a horrible decision. Um, but, yeah, going reportedly one allegedly 156 and with a twice the legal limit, those are horrible facts when you get to the – if he is convicted, when you get to the sentencing phase of this – um, I haven't heard much about the family. There's going to be civil suits. There's going to be criminal suits. Um, I hope, and this is, this is not, the Raiders are obviously not obligated. They're not, they're not, you know, the NFL. I would just hope 
because my guess is whatever money he's made a lot of money in his rookie contract, it's going to go to legal defense. A lot of money is going out the door quickly. I would like to see the NFL at Raiders Raiders secondary, the NFL number one stepping up and saying, hey, while no money can bring a life back, the NFL, one of their employees did this allegedly, and they can make some amends the best they can for the family and say, you know, and the alleged stupidity of all this, from my understanding, the NFL gives you 24 seven cars, Ubers, limb, like you, they, they would bend over backwards to make sure none of their players drink and drive or drive while impaired by any means, whether it's painkillers, drug, obviously they can't, can't do drugs, but alcoholic, it is just a tragic situation when so many um, other means are available. I was just in Vegas. You can't walk out of a casino without running into a cab. It is just this is just one of those in my legal world. I say preventable accidents. This is one of the most preventable accidents you will ever see, and it's just so sad. Brenda Chain did the uh, when the DUI broke. It was bad enough, and Robbie, you are correct. It's a tragedy on many levels, but the family tragedy is the number one. Um, when I heard the number 156 today, it almost made me angry. Um, I know DUI is preventable, as Robbie says, but to drive a car on a street at 156 miles an hour, allegedly, is almost with malice in my head. What did you think when you heard that number? <sighs> Yeah, it just made me sick, man. Uh, I mean, 156 sober driving down like would be ridiculous. Um, and to add that he was impaired twice the legal limit, allegedly on top of that. I mean, look, we were all 22 once and we did a lot of dumb stuff. Um, I did. I, 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 I did too. Today. You know, but – to Robbie's point, the the means that he had, the options that he had, I mean, it was obviously premeditated to get in the car because of, he had so many other options. So it's just, it, it's so sad. It's such a sad scenario, you know, and the, the thing is things like this happen all the time. You know, he's just, he's in a different spotlight and it gets, it gets brought you know, to public and, and it's blasted. And now this, this guy, like Derek Carr said, you know, he, he needs love right now. Like he, he made a really, really dumb decision. And like I said, a lot of 22 year olds do that, especially, I mean, I can't imagine being 22 and having millions of dollars, you know, and thinking you're invincible. Uh, If any, young kids can take something from this is that it doesn't matter who you are or what your status is. You're not invincible and you can't, you know, you got to really think about the decisions you make because it, it, it's the blink of an eye that somebody loses their life. That was just completely unavoidable. Rog. Uh, thank you, Brandon. Rog, we, we all know you're a Raider fan and I, I'll make a statement about the Raiders organization. The Raiders organization has almost a a on the field mentality and a fan mentality 
But the Davis family quietly have always been a very generous family. The Raiders organization and Mark Davis right now, what what do they do in, in this situation? Or is there anything they can do in this situation? As Robbie said, do they do they become part of the the solution or I don't know the Raiders have any obligation to, but I almost feel like they will. As a Raiders fan, where do you feel right now? First of all, I did see some people on Twitter stating, oh, this is the life of the Raiders and this type of stuff happens. And thankfully, 98%, 98% of the people on Twitter blew those idiots up because it doesn't matter about that. This 23-year-old girl and her dog three-year-old golden retriever named Max burned alive. She was still alive in that fire. He was going 156 miles an hour in a residential area. Both of them were within blocks of their homes. Not only that, in September 2020, his girlfriend, Rudy Washington, took a video of him driving way too fast and put it on her YouTube video. They called it Wild Out Wednesdays. She said, slow down. And that was like her Snapchat that was last September. I think probably when he got that car, because it was a 2020 Chevrolet uh, Stingray. So a few things here. One, I you know, the Raiders are going to do, the, the Raiders generally do the right thing. They were the first organization to hire, you know, an African-American coach. They've been the first to do a lot of different things. An organization that doesn't care about the norm, whatever that means. Second, you guys remember Dante Stallworth? You know, in 2009, he had a blood alcohol limit of, I wrote it down, 0.126 in Miami Beach. And he hit a construction worker uh, named Mario Reyes. He ended up getting manslaughter. I, I mean, I can't, Rob, I can't remember the charge. He was sentenced to 30 days. He served 24, and he made a civil settlement with the family. Now, that was a different era. And now Dante Stallworth. Yeah travels the country. He used to be at the NFL symposiums. I believe the last time he was at the rookie symposium was 2014. So this is something that the NFL, you know, is, is new to. And I hate to say this, but it's Vegas of all the places. And, and you got a kid, I'm not making excuses. He's an idiot. And, you know, he's going to end up where he belongs. But 22 year old from Montgomery, Alabama, who goes from there to Superstar University, thrown millions of dollars, moved to Vegas. He still make an idiot decision, but you know the odds are just kind of stacked against a good decision. Still, there's nothing that justifies 156 in a residential area. Uh, but you know the point is, and, and Rob can expand on that, uh, being the attorney. Uh, again, this is nothing new to the NFL, and yeah, it's a different era now. Um, 11, 12, 2021, 12 years later than Dante Stallworth. And obviously his circumstance, I think he hit a construction work that was on the side of the road or, you know, he wasn't going 156 and burned alive a 23-year-old girl and her dog. So the circumstances are, are, are certainly more extreme in Ruggs's case. But, I mean, did we learn anything? And if we haven't, then what can the Raiders do? I mean, the NFL it should be on everyone. On humanity. Um, I believe was it, and I don't want to get this name wrong because uh, it was another. 
Was it Dwayne Please Goodrich? Me. Well, Rango and then was it Leonard Little that also? Leonard Little. So Tennessee, yeah. mm-hmm. it would be remiss yeah. if we didn't mention that Tennessee had three of these type of accidents. Yeah, yeah. He also, Leonard Little was involved um, in a DUI running the red light. Yeah. Dante Stallworth was involved in his accident. But the most grievous of one and the guy that went to jail was former Tennessee cornerback. Dwayne Goodrich, who was going over 120 miles an hour on a Dallas interstate and hit, uh, I believe it was state workers or workers working on the road at the time. So, uh, Actually, uh, Dave, Dave Hooker, who used to work uh, in Nash, or in Knoxville, he, he and I were talking, and he told me a story about that, uh, that um, he, did, he was in prison for, I think, four years. Yes. And re- he was so embarrassed that his teammates would come to try to see him and he would not see any of them. Um, he just stayed in his jail cell, was so embarrassed and so felt so let down for all of his, the way he did to all his teammates. Um, but getting back to the difference between Star Wars and this one, man, video. Y'all saw, uh, I sent y'all that video. That video is horrible. And um, I think he's, I, significant time is, um. Uh, so someone just asked how significant was the information was the gun was in his car. I don't know. I, I don't know um, Nevada's carry laws. Um, I don't know if he had a permit for that. I haven't read anything about. Have y'all seen either one way or the other? Uh, I, I do not believe he had a permit, Robbie. From what I was reading, yeah, they're pretty um, liberal in Nevada for the most part. Yeah. So it could because it's a. Felony, what he had, what Great he's question. going to be charged with. It could be firearm in possession of a felon or felony while committing a felony. So it could be an aggravating factor. Um, I, I I haven't looked at his his criminal record. My guess though is with that speed, that limit, that video, um, he's going to be doing some. Like I said, significant time varies from everybody. A a uh, month would be significant to me. A criminal a year is not significant. Um, the wild card, though, is the victims, the family. What they – because a prosecutor, a DA, any kind of – if it's a plea bargain, they have to get the victims to sign off on it. And in most occasions, or a judge will not approve it. So is the family forgiving? It, do they want – by no means are any of these things ever a money grab or a civil civil kind of grab, but but it, it, I mean that's our remedy. We don't have eye for an eye justice. So the civil system is what you do to to recoup losses, and so how it all works out. It's all so fresh and so new. You don't. There's so many variables to guess what prison time or how much he's going to get and what the family pushes for. Um, but my guess is um, he will see two years at least inside a prison cell and whether it's day for day or you get time for good behavior, but he will not be playing football um, for the next four or five years would be my guess. And Little and Stallworth played almost, you know, immediately upon release. It seemed like they both came back mm-hmm. and played, correct? Because uh, yeah, Little was involuntary manslaughter. Now Vegas's laws are different. You know, he had two felony counts, driving under the influence, causing death or substantial body harm, bodily harm. Uh, then on top of that, he got a, a reckless driving charge uh, for 
what he did to his girlfriend, but the, the word there, the operative word is causing, uh, you know, that's not involuntary. And, and Las Vegas is, you know, I, I'd venture to say it's one of the DUI capitals of the world. Yeah. And yeah, so, uh, the laws are, are going to be fairly strict there. So I, I, to note that they do not have a vehicular homicide or a vehicular ma- manslaughter statute. So it is just DUI resulting in death. So um, if anyone's wondering, if this happened in Tennessee, it would be vehicular homicide. Um, And so that those words mean a lot and they carry a lot more weight in the sentencing. So Vegas does not have those those statutes. There's not a lot that we, I mean, we've covered it. And by the way, that's new friend of the show, Susan Howe. A friend of mine, uh, thank you for watching this. Thank you for supporting us. I don't know really how to wrap up this segment when we needed to cover it. We've always said that we would not shy away from the truth in sports and what's happening in sports. But I've struggled with alcohol at points in my life, as many people do. And there when you get behind the wheel and you drive, I knew it every single time. And when you drive 156 miles an hour, there is some intent to do that. It just doesn't randomly happen. Uh, I will say to the day I'm old and gray. It's one of the greatest regrets of my life is I never hurt anyone or I never caused an accident but the fact that I did it is equally wrong and prayers to the family. I, I don't even know how to end the segment other than the tragedy is the young lady right now. Anybody has anything else to say? No, I mean, there's, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's the needless tragedy. Needless. But the one thing I will go back as we transition on, Robbie, you are right. They are thousands of people that play in the NFL that we never know of that are just great people. On that same team a couple of years ago, Jason Witten, you know, the NFL, for all the money these 23, 24-year-old guys have, I think they, I think they act pretty well because I would have hate to have Brandon Chain money and been 22 years old. I mean, how would mm-hmm. I act it? So – Let's move on in the world of sports to a much better story and a much happier story. This week, the city of Atlanta finally, finally gets its long-awaited championship. And I donned my Braves hat with great pride. Heart was broken last year in the a National League Championship Series, up 3-1 on the Dodgers. I felt like we was going to win the World Series if we got there against the Rays. Rod, you're a baseball guy. What happened with this team? Magic. You got to have a certain element of magic every year. I don't think we'll ever see this again. We've never seen it before. Um, you know, I like to say that if the Dodgers had Mac Muncy and – Kershaw and other guys, it, the series may have been different, but you don't, you know, you talked about Acuna versus uh, Derek Henry. Well, Acuna got hurt two weeks before the trading deadline. 
Anthopolis first went out and got Jock Peterson, who was wasting away in Chicago. That told the entire organization, let's get after it. He got Solaire for nothing, a career 220 guy. But when Solaire hits the ball, it, it, bleh, like it ended up in an apartment building this last game out of the stadium. Um, you know, Eddie Rosario was hurt, and he traded for him. Uh, Duval had been there before, another like 215 guy, ends up leading the league in RBIs. Those four guys lengthened that lineup so much that, you know, my wife said she's a huge Braves fan. She was like 19 the last time they won, or 18 rather. My father-in-law was my age. He's now 70. Randall, you were probably like 40 the last time they won it. Um, but Hey, I, I, will, I will go ahead and add this gray beard. I was 29 years old and in the stadium the last time they won it. So Hell I was, yeah. I'm an old man, so I grew old waiting on another one. I mean, and, you know, it's been 25 years. Last year for the Dodgers, I, I waited 32 years. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it's also a different baseball these days where bullpens, I mean, I mean everything. The Braves bullpen went from a weakness the last year to good God this year. And – you know, it's kind of funny. Most teams, the Dodgers, Astros, Braves, they all had two starters. And they're basically throwing everything else together. And, you know, in the World Series, that may be – that may work well just because you haven't seen a lot of those guys on the other team. Um, but really, no one hit well in this series. The Braves just had – I think the Astros hit two home runs all series. The Braves just didn't make mistakes. They scored. They got hits with runners in scoring position. Their defense, especially their infield defense, is arguably the best in baseball. Freeman probably saves like 38 runs by his stretches, which are amazing. It was magic this year. No one's ever done that. No one's ever gotten four guys at the deadline who, you know, and they were better without Acuna. You know, you you can't just say, hey, add Acuna and we kill everybody. No, because if Acuna is healthy, they probably don't make the playoffs because they don't make those four deals. Um, the interesting thing is going to be what they do next year, but who cares? You know, my congratulations and salute to the Atlanta Braves because I've never seen anything like that, and they were 100% deserving. Robbie, I know you're not the biggest baseball guy in the world, but watching the World Series, were they ever a doubt that the Braves were almost a team of destiny? Was there ever a doubt? Are you kidding me? You're the Falcon. You're an Atlanta fan, of course. You're up seven nothing. You're still sweating it. Like, how are you gonna blow this? Um, no, I think I think Ross tweeted. Uh, I think it happened. That Super Bowl is jaded. Everyone that has ever lived between Cobb County and Newton. Yeah. the um, Falcons didn't I, have Eddie Rosario though. I think I think uh, Ross either tweeted or texted or something. Uh, if Acuna gets hurt on July 6th, the Braves aren't there. Um, it's something along those lines. Like, it was just that timing, and then they got the new outfield. It performed so well in the playoffs. Um, it was an exciting run to watch. And, I mean, um, yeah, beating Milwaukee, beating L.A., then beating the Astros, that's a heck of a run for, for a team with the, I think, from what I heard, the least amount of wins ever getting into the playoffs or something like that. Um, but it was fun to watch. I'm happy for the city of Atlanta. Um, you know, I claim it as a quarter championship. I still haven't seen 
my main team win a championship. So I'll just get these quarter championships that of teams I kind of like or that I like, but or they're at least regional that win. Um, but all the and then so just a sweet bit, not a sweet bit, just a funny bit of irony. Um, and this is this is obviously I I, I supported MLB's decision. I still think it was the right decision. But the irony of it, and it's still funny though, the irony that MLB pulled the All Star game out of Georgia, and then now the championship rests in Georgia, is just kind of funny. It is, <laughs> Brenda Jane. What yeah. Did th- what did you think when Solari hit the ball in Game Six? Man, what an at bat! Like. It was magical. Like, you know, top of the third, you know, Freed's pitching a, a good game. He's doing what he's got to do to keep, you know, runs down. No, you know, I think he only had like three hits off of him in six innings, maybe six strikeouts or something like that. He's he's pitching a great game. Um, and then Solaire. This guy, he's just battling. He he's timing that breaking ball, timing that breaking ball, and then all of a sudden and they the leave a hanger. And the fastball, they leave a hanger. I mean, he's just battling. They leave a hanger breaking ball across the middle, and he hits it into an apartment building across the street. I mean, that right there changed the you know entire momentum, obviously, of the game. But then it changes the whole schematics of of the bullpen. For Houston, so now they've got to go back to the drawing board. So now they're up in arms. They're they're trying to throw their their best, you know, combinations versus righties, lefties, all that, you know, chess match. What goes on nowadays? And you just see the Braves see blood in the water, and they just they the defense tightens up, the the pitching gets better, the the relievers, the closers come in. I mean, it was just. It was magic. It was like watching a symphony come together. Like it was just, it was so cool to watch, man. So in the in well the first, uh, what? Oh, I just said well said. Uh, that's exactly. I couldn't have said it any better. Uh, on the Solera bat, I said the same thing to my wife. He's got him now. He he fouled off. I think he's swung and miss on like a fastball and on the breaking ball. And he fouled them all off and. He's got the timing. Yeah, he had him down. And real quick, I went to the World Series in Boston game two a few years ago. It was like eight degrees in Atlanta, you know, the rain and everything. Why doesn't baseball at least cut one or two series per division? I know interleague they won't cut because it makes so much money and ratings and revenue. But, I mean, should baseball be played sometimes in November? Like, no, that no, wasn't right, no. man. I mean, Atlanta's a warm go, weather city. For, how much time do we have? I can go on a hour rant o'clock. on how to I think we, I, I think you've been on this subject uh, <laughs> on a couple of previous shows. I, I've seen several <laughs> topics on this. So. It's like they so, enjoy shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Double headers during the summer. Just play double headers. Yeah. All right. Let's get let's finish this subject off. Everybody, give me one memory from the and I'll go last since I am the. At, Robbie's got quarter championships. I'm 55 years old. I've seen Tennessee win one national championship and the Braves win two now. So I've got three. 
and I'm 55, so I hold them precious. I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm not a Lakers fan. I'm, I, I root for the University of Tennessee and the city of Atlanta. So if they don't get them, I don't count them. So I thought this was a great World Series, but we'll start and go around. Uh, Jane, what is your one memory from this World Series? It's got to be the bat with Solaire, man. I mean, that that was the turning point. That was the, the you know, put your fork in, it's done. Like, it, it was such a, a fun chess match to watch between the pitcher and batter. And like I said, you know, he started getting the timing down of everything. He was fouling off everything. And then you, you just knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. And he, when he hit it and he looks over and he does, I mean, that was just, it was awesome. I was like, that's that was it. A poster. That was a no doubt. So. All right, Raj Meta. You're not the Braves fan, but you're a baseball purist. What if, what do you carry away from it? Uh, from the World Series alone? I, I mean, along the, the same line. Well, the playoff run, you know, the highlight of – it's kind of funny. The Dodgers won two games that were both on freak anomalies. Bellinger's three-run home run in the eighth off Luke Jackson, which was a highlight of our playoffs. And then Chris Taylor had to hit three home runs to be in twice. Um, that's why I wasn't confident. In terms of the Braves, it was like the first pitch of game one, and Solaire went yak. I told my wife, you know, I know the Charlie Morton injury shortly thereafter kind of made me back off my prediction, but I was like, dude, that's magic. That's destiny. The guy went yak on the first pitch, first at bat. Um, so I just remember that and thinking, I picked the Braves in five. Uh, I was wrong, but I'd have to go with that. I mean, what better way to set the tone? Absolutely. Robbie Davis? Um, yeah, Solaire in game six, like, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, all right. And that's, that's while well, I give baseball a lot of crap, generally, Playoff baseball is very intense. And it was one of those, you're watching it, all right, maybe the first team that scores is going to win. And then he, it was like just a stake and just slam it in their heart. And just the way he hit it and just looked at it, it's it's out of the damn park, like literally out of the park. And it was just like, yeah, okay, like we got you. And then, so that was, that was the moment that's, when you look back, every Braves highlight next year is going to open with that swing. Like that's the one. Absolutely. That's, that's yeah. the swing of the of the season. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Let's go Braves! Oh, <laughs> uh, the whole world is so happy. Suck it, Houston. Nobody likes you. <laughs> and that, hey, and back to Houston, real quick. People called him a dynasty. Well, they cheated. And they beat the Dodgers in seven games, including you know, in L.A., where they ripped off the Dodgers multiple times, including in game seven against Hugh Darvish. They lost, what, twice in the World Series and twice in the ALCS? You call that a, a, a team of a, a dynasty? Dynasty a bunch of, of cheaters that, Yeah, exactly. A dynasty of zero, man. They, they uh, Hey, it, the, Marlins, so the Marlins, Marlins even have two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But and they didn't cheat either. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, Houston deserves all of this. I hope they put the parade on every freaking channel in Texas because they're pretty much done. I think a lot of guys are free agents, Carlos Correa, among others. Congratulations, you cheated. And the only well, thing good, you good lost aside getting, from the games is respect. Good luck getting free agents to come there. Like, who wants to play in that toxic environment? Like, you're like, it's one thing to be, you know, hated like the Yankees or Red Sox and like some Northeast, but a lot of people you go to say Oakland, a lot of people come to watch away teams come to watch the Yankees. No, Houston's hated across the country in every ballpark. They are hated. So yeah, you did. You, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was gonna say you disrespected. You know, like America's sport, America's pastime, and I mean that that was like the ultimate like penalty that you can do when you you cheat like that to win, which is it's so hard to win a World Series as everyone knows. Like, I mean, p- teams go decades and decades, or e- even in the Cubs' case, centuries uh, without winning a. Well, and, and they didn't get. It's not. It's not alleged cheating. It's they cheated and they, they like that. They a hundred percent cheated. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like, just, it's like, like that's the ultimate. Nuts. That's the ultimate fu disrespect. Yeah, and in such a game that that has so much integrity and you know respect and moral value, like everything about baseball like which brings to the point how in the hell do they still have their world series why aren't they stripped of that title i don't know so give reggie bush's heisman back yeah as the (laughs) as they laugh long i went to my first game in 1978 i'm gonna i'm gonna give myself just a minute here by the way jonathan taylor with a touchdown at the middle give myself a minute to go through a couple of times that I got super emotional. One, in I think Randall's having a little technical difficulties. Robbie, can you hear me? Yep. We'll we'll All run right. the show. <laughs> um, well, here comes Randall back. Well, maybe not. So no, that just that whole series man like it, it takes magic to win a world series because it's not always the best team obviously throughout the season so i thought that was throughout the whole playoffs the run everything was just pretty incredible well and how young the plays are makes be an exciting team moving forward yeah can you all agree we can yeah now we can okay well roger's gonna have to wait because i'm gonna get this moment in because i've thought about it all week Go for it. In 2017, Freddie Freeman was a bridge to the teams of Chipper Jones, Brian McCann, those guys. They lost 97 games. I mean, you don't lose 100 baseball games. But that team was a young Swanson, a young Freddie Freeman. Atlanta is not 
the franchise it is today without Freddie Freeman. And I don't know of any other player that represents one franchise more than Freddie Freeman represents the Braves. I've thought about it all week, and there is not – I cannot come up with any elite athlete and go, that guy is Mr. Rams or that guy is Mr. Cardinals or that guy is Mr. – so I think it was special for Freddie. The other was in a post-game press conference, and I sat up till 1.30 in the morning and watched every second of that. I may have even poured a Sprite over my head just for the fun of it. <laughs> but Big Poppy, uh, David Ortiz, who I'm not the biggest fan of, doing the post-game interview, Paul, Max Freed was up there, and he said, and they're talking to him, he goes, he goes, I love this game, Max Freed. He goes, you are an elite pitcher. He goes, and if you ever doubt you're an elite pitcher, play those six innings on and watch them, because that looked like Randy Johnson in his prime. He said, you leave here tonight and you go be an elite pitcher. And I thought that was one of the coolest moments I'd ever seen in sports that this guy who knows is not – I doubt he ever met Max Freed before tonight, but he's a Hall of Famer and he took his time on that to say, go do now what you just did then and be special. And I thought that was a real cool moment. So – yeah, that's pretty cool. And I know Freed was in, in a little bit of a slump there for a little while and struggling. So to come out, like I said, I mean, he did exactly what he had to do in game six to close him out. Uh, I, I thought just the whole whole thing, like Raj said, Robbie said, I mean, it was magic. It was, it was just incredible to watch. I'm not a, I don't watch a whole lot of baseball, but when it comes to playoff baseball, I'll start watching pretty closely. Yeah. That was, that was fun. Well, you know, what big poppy said in a nutshell is what you do. That's life. Like try lose, learn and win. That's, yeah. that, that's what you do. Like get like three got beat up early in the playoffs. He wasn't going to he tried, he lost, he learned what he could do better, and then he won. And what a masterful performance on the, the biggest stage he could be on, game six. And he pitched masterfully. As far as Freeman goes, yes, he is synonymous with the Braves. They've got a contract negotiation coming up. This is one of those where, hey, the Braves got to do their thing. Freeman's got to do his thing. He's going to test the open market. Um, I don't think there should be hard feelings any which way. Freeman just delivered his World Series, and if he can, if he can go and make, if someone overpays for him, hey, that's that's his financial, his family that he's got to think of. If Atlanta can make it work and he stays, good for everyone. But there should be no hard feelings, regardless of what happens during this this the con- contract negotiation. So there was a reporter asked him about it, Robbie, and the. Uh the uh, celebration locker room and his comment was basically if the Braves screw this up, they've got to be the dumbest organization ever. So like, he was basically He's saying, not going anywhere. Yeah. No. Yeah, make, yeah. The Braves uh, aren't dumb. And that is money wise. And yeah, uh, so you're right. He needs to deserves to be paid. You're completely. White, white guy named Larry 
stays there forever. Face of the franchise. White guy named Fred stays there forever. Face of the franchise. I mean, those are 1950s white guy names. And uh, yeah, I can be racist because I'm brown. Um, by the way, uh, yeah, he's not going anywhere, man. The guy's an icon for all of the South. He would take less to stay with the Braves. Um, secondly, have you guys, you remember in There's Something About Mary where Matt Dillon gets his teeth done and they're like these super white veneers? Like, what's up with Freeman, man? I can see myself off those teeth. Bro. I'm like, wow. Like, dude, he, uh, are those real? They, still, they, they, still they look like Baleen. They are white veneers. can't see the ball coming off his bat looking at his teeth. Yeah. Whatever oh, it is. I saw it's like effective. a time lapse of his of his years, and it wasn't what till like 2019 that those pearly whites just automatically appeared. He's got a better grill, so, his, yeah. His wife is the same way. Body. I mean, his wife is beautiful, but now she looks a little bit more. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but like a real housewife than she used to look like a natural housewife. I don't know if you guys saw his wife in the uh, in the stands, but I yes. was like, wow, uh, Botox much. There's a uh, E60 about Freddie Freeman that I challenge everybody to go watch. He lost his mom very early in life, and it really changed who he was. So, it's a good deal. And as a Braves fan, I'm so excited. And um, I'm just three championships in 55 years. I'm going to hold on to it for a little while. That's pretty awesome. Congratulations. Right. I am happy yeah, for you. I don't want to. I want to talk real quick about it, and it's framed in the form of the University of Tennessee announced today that they were not self-imposing a bowl. Uh, Tennessee's probably going to qualify for a bowl if they can beat South Alabama and Bandy. The first reaction was, well, you know, the school must not feel like there's much to it. But the truth of it is, does the NCAA even have any power anymore? And, and, and it feels like Tennessee went, yeah, we know we messed up. We would have probably imposed a ban if we didn't think we were going to get to a bowl. But we are, so let's deal with it some other way. Robbie, was this just Tennessee going, we want to go to a bowl, and I don't think you can make us go, not go to one? Uh, no, not really. This was the new reality of, what conferences look like so the powers that be at tennessee they called one office and one office only and they called the sec office and they said are this is what we found are we going to get in trouble with you guys and if they said no then they said okay because do not believe for a second NCAA wants to, one, challenge any Power 5 program anymore or, by all means, level sanctions. They, they are just sitting in the corner being like, as long as I can collect my check, I am happy. They are was, – was it Milton in office space is down in the basement? They're like, as long, as long as I'm down there collecting That's my check, I am it's good. Not- Have you seen my stapler? Yeah, I may or may not have my stapler, but that's all I've got. But, yes. no, I can burn the building down. Yeah, Tennessee (laughs) nor any school should be scared whatsoever of the NCAA because they do not matter. They have no teeth. 
hey, all you have is your basketball tournament, and you don't think maybe perhaps the conferences could get together and form their own 68-team basketball tournament and sell it to CBS, ESPN maybe, Amazon, Google. You think they'd be interested in that? So, yeah, no, this was a strictly a just final, finally, finally Tennessee reading the room, being like, stop listening to the NCAA. They have no power. Ohio State went with it. They fired Jim Trestle for no freaking reason over tattoos, like which is perfectly fine. Like Ohio State made that mistake. Tennessee made that mistake. USC has clearly made that mistake. Like, like everyone's made that mistake. Like you see, hell, LSU's like we've got a basketball coach caught on video saying, "Yes, we're paying players, but we don't care. We, it, you're not, you can't do it as long as the SEC will not take away our SEC money. It doesn't matter." Still employed. Yep. Yep. Rod, does I does that bother the USC in you? I mean, that was a different era. What bothered me more was Oregon. That was 15, 17 years ago. They got USC. They made an example out of them. Uh, when you look back, the best team on the field was the best team on the field. Reggie Bush's stepfather supposedly took money. Who gives a shit? I mean – excuse my language, Oregon has done so many vile things and they hit USC with a lack of institutional control. They had to make an example out of someone and they made it out of USC. With Tennessee, I I agree. I mean, honestly, I think they just wanted a reason to get rid of Pruitt, who was a dummy and who nobody respected, it seems. And you claim that, you know, we're investigating this and the NCAA is as well. Uh, maybe there was nothing, you know, that or too wrong, if you will. Um, and they got Pruitt fired and they obviously got a guy who seems like a much better coach. Um, and and Rob's right as well. What's the NCAA going to do? Not much. So no, I I don't want to be bitter about anything. That was a different era. Um, maybe it's one thing if Tennessee is Alabama and they're, 14 and over a year and winning championships, then I'd be like, throw the book at them. Get rid of them. But they're not. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it was just a, a move to get through it fired. Uh, maybe not literally, but I, I think that had something to do with it. Brendan, you're an, uh, you're an Ohio State guy. Literally, Robbie kind of asked the question. Do you think it justifies the Pete Carroll time at SC, the Jim Trussell time? Is the, is it, what is the new NCAA? The new NCAA is nothing but like Uncle Sam. They just sit there and collect taxes and checks all day. They have zero power. They know they have zero power. It's it, of this new era of the Power Five, and these super conferences getting together, they know they are. They better keep their mouth shut and sit in the basement and cash their checks when they come in. Because if they start to cause any controversy whatsoever with one of the big dogs, we will take ball and we will go elsewhere. Like, Absolutely. And that will be the end of the NCAA in football for sure and probably other sports to follow. So NCAA is nothing but a taxation without representation in this point. 
Very well put, Robbie. Wait, wait. Just just let me just let me say one thing. Like to to know how like to express how weak footed you stand in both ball and standing. They lost nine to nothing in the Supreme Court. Do you know how wrong you have to be to lose nine to nothing in the Supreme Court? <laughs> like you, you're so out there. Like you just there's no legal basis for your argument. <laughs> you're arguing. Like, it's so bad. Like murder lost eight to one, but like the NCAA loses yeah. nine to nothing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. They better just shut up and cash their checks. And and yeah, not exactly. Sell yeah. I have this question well, of this old man. They're like, they're like the, the Seinfeld episode where he's getting like dollar checks from Japan. He's like, <laughs> just keep endorsing them. Like, that's, that's the incident. Like, at this moment, exactly. I just keep getting these checks. Absolutely. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. That's a great episode. That is. I, I have this vision of like that Colonel Reb guy that used to be at Old Miss sitting on the front porch going, did the mailbox money come yet, honey? Yeah. And that's his whole life. So, yeah. got to move on, running out of time. They are a few games around the country I want to talk about in college football and professional football. Number one, I want to start with Hugh Freeze and the Liberty. I don't even know what they are. Front Flames, I think, maybe. Are going to Ole Miss. Is, does anybody besides me find this game just intriguing? Robbie Davis, come on. You like a good story like I do. Oh, I find it. Whenever, actually, I was filling out my pick on yesterday, and I saw this, and I was like, oh, wow. And then I was like, I looked at uh, looked up Liberty's record. I was like, oh, Liberty's like 7-2 or something like that. And I was like, oh, they're bringing a good squad into Oxford. Yes, no, I am super intrigued with this. Um, this would be um, – because, you know, Lane's going to be all arrogant and go for him fourth down. And then Q Free – like, this is just a battle of egos. And I'm all for it. Give me my popcorn. I don't know much about what Liberty's team is. Um, but I think, I think they were plus nine. I think they hold it close. I will take the points in this one and watch it with intrigue. I think the best bet may be over 67.5 because I think both sides are going to score every offer. I mean, they're going to be out trying to outsmart them themselves. Uh, Tane, what's your thought of this game? No, I, I totally agree. It's uh, get your popcorn type game. I love watching games like this where I have no uh, love or heart on the sleeve for any team. I can just watch a good football game and, and sit back and watch somewhat of a chess match. But I, I do like the uh, over 67 and a half. I, I think it's going to be a shootout. And I will be on Robbie's side. I will take Liberty plus nine. Um, I think it's going to be maybe a three-point uh, game here. Raj Meta. I think a lot of people like Liberty because of Malik Willis, the old Auburn transfer, and they had a great year last year. This year they've lost to Syracuse, who's no good, and Louisiana Monroe, who is no good. Do I think, obviously, there's going to be a little bit extra oomph in this game with Hugh Freeze coming back? Sure, but that also means that Lane Kiffin's going to want to beat him even more badly than prior. Such a thing is possible. 
Um, you know, Ole Miss is smarting a little bit. I think it's a trap game. I think Ole Miss wins and wins going away. So do the opposite what I say, and you win money. Good point. Next game up. I did not put Ole Miss on upset alert, but I will put the next game on upset alert. Michigan State, Purdue. Can Sparty get back up against a very good Purdue defense? Let's start this time with our Big Ten expert, Brandon James. I love, love this matchup this weekend. Um, This is going to be a big test and really see where Michigan State's at because Purdue is one of those teams, and they've always been in the Big Ten, that can win a game like this where they just completely ruin someone's season. Um, It is at Purdue, and – it, it, it's a tough place to play. Uh, I really, really like Purdue in this one for the upset. Um, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I don't think um, Michigan State can run the ball as, as willingly as they would want to. I think Purdue might pull an upset here. So, uh, which would obviously be worse for Ohio State coming into that Michigan State game but I'm still um, on the side of Purdue here. I agree with you. Last week, my best bet, my bet you're nuts, was the over in that Michigan Michigan State game. You might hear me in on this game on the under, just a little maybe foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Defense, baby. Robbie and Mike was Michigan State. So this, this is a game where – it's terrifying because you take what you think and then you look at what Vegas thinks and Vegas is begging you to take Michigan State when they think Purdue's going to win. And so oh, coming off a huge rivalry re- weekend, um, oh, man, I'd really like Mel Tucker though, but Brandon's right. Purdue's that team that, man, if you can go back in the last decade of Big Ten sports. Purdue always has that dagger against. They screw somebody every year. Um, <laughs> so I'm going with. I think. I think it happens again. I think Purdue's going to win. Raj Mata. I picked Michigan State as my bet. Your nuts. I believe last week. Um, I also liked Ohio State, and that didn't work out so well. Uh, yes. If anybody's ever been to Purdue, it's a beautiful campus. But if you're going up like I-65 towards Indy, you get off at an exit and you make a left, and you go like 20 miles and you end up in West Lafayette. It's in the middle of nowhere. When teams show up there, they all know that. You know, it's like this is their home turf. And I agree. They play extremely well at home. I, I don't know anybody that gets pumped up. Like, yeah, we're going to Purdue this weekend. Let's go. Even when they were good, you know, Drew Brees style, nobody got pumped up to go to West Lafayette, Indiana. And they utilize that, uh, you know, kudos. Being said, you know, Michigan State passing game lacks, but Kenneth Walker is amazing. Purdue is ninth in the big, uh, big 12, 13, whatever they are, against the run. If Michigan State, Mel Tucker's a smart guy. If they just run the ball, they'll win this game. 
But if they try to get crazy and throw the ball like Penn State and Illinois were in overtime, then they could be in trouble. Good point. I like that run scenario. I really do. I think it's a grinded out game, and I like the under big time in this game. I would put Wake Forest on upset alert, but the undefeated ninth-ranked Demon Deacons are a three-point underdog to North Carolina. If Wake wins this game, does it carry any significance nationally since North Carolina came in as the media darling now four and four? Robbie, you open the open the open their thoughts on this game. Even though I do have kind of Carolina blue on, no, it doesn't matter. Look, there's there's actually at the moment only two home fields that matter in the ACC, and that's Clemson, Virginia Tech, and yes, that's a shot at FSU. You guys don't matter either. Like your stadium's empty. It's just those like yeah, when a road game at UNC, a road game at Duke, a road game at Wake, it they're all the same stadiums. It's like playing high school football in Texas. You know, it doesn't matter. There's no fans in the stands. It's just coaching. So, no, I don't give credit for Wake beating in UNC on the road or at home. It's just, yeah, preseason hype is exactly what it is. It's preseason hype. Nothing on the field to justify it. No, just, yeah, win, lose, move on. ACC's out of the discussion. Brandon Chang. Yeah, I mean, Wake Forest was – they're undefeated. They were a plug-in for the top 25. That's it. I mean, obviously, you look where Vegas is at. UNC's favored two and a half, three points. Um, I expect UNC to probably pull this one out, and Wake will drop out of the top 25 and fall in their wake, if you will. Raj Meta, by the way, it's twenty-one-seven. Colts over the Jets currently. We could do, we could do a section on uh, Dave Kloss and how he works everywhere except for UT somehow. Somehow. <laughs> by the way, fantasy wise, and this was not alcohol aided or Thursday night impetus, but I did switch from Justin Herbert, who the last two games has been substandard, to Carson Wentz as my starter because I have Michael Pittman. The first two uh, you did, touchdowns, huh? I, I did. Am I playing you? Yeah, you're playing me. I didn't see that late, late oh, switch. Oh, God. I, it, was Damn, a, it, it was a late. You play Brandon. That's so lucky. Late sub. Uh, he's got two touchdowns. touchdowns. We're both rushing Hines, and uh, he's got one on a shovel pass. They're running all over him, and then Mike White, the guy from the Jets that can actually throw and keep him in, got hurt. So White I was up. hoping – I, I was hoping it would be a game and uh, we could see them throwing, but it doesn't look like that, and I may have messed up. Back to North Carolina and Wake. Uh, it's the battle of the Sams, man, and I like Sam Hartman a lot more than I like Sam Howell. Keaton Slovis, I've said this before, is the most overrated quarterback in college football. Sam Howell is right behind him. Um, it's kind of funny. The common opponents they've played, they've, they've kind of had the same result. I still uh, – to be an underdog at ninth in the country 
you know, it's down to two and a half. I mean, what is that, man? I mean, you've got to feel some disrespect going into that game. And, and, and I like wake. I, I don't, you know, Sam Hartman is a hell of a quarterback, 22 TDs, three picks, quarterback rating of 175, all much better than, uh, than Sam Howell. So, you know, I, I like Wake just because I feel like they're getting disrespected. Fair yeah, enough. the captain of my draft team's king is uh, Pat Pittman, and so far tonight, he's not burning it up. So, I'd like to see that change. Let's uh, move on to the next game. One of just local interest. I'm going to say Tennessee beats Kentucky. Has anybody got anybody on the bandwagon with me, or am I just dreaming? Brandon I, I agree, man. Uh, I think the Vols pull it off here. It's a pick them right now. Last I looked, um, I'm, I think the Vols have steadily improved. Um, uh, yeah, I see Vols winning this thing probably by a touchdown. So. Robbie Davis, can you believe we're even talking about Tennessee beating a top 25 team? No, I cannot. I – and I've said this many times uh, through the course of the season. I believe – as of today, I was wrong about Heifel. I think he's uh, the coach that uh, not necessarily Tennessee needed, but he's a good fit and – um, to yeah, go into Lexington against Mark Stoops, who's a really, really, really good coach with a hard, hard job, and to be favored. And if they win, and then assuming South Alabama and Vandy gets you to uh, that would be what seven and five. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that's a fantastic first year. Um, with this schedule. And you see a couple of bowls banding over around. I think we're going to get a big-time opponent that is not having a big-time year. I've seen a couple of things with Clemson and Charlotte, a couple of things with Wisconsin and Nashville. So, I've seen the Outback Bowl uh, against uh, Iowa. I've seen as much as that. I Somebody's going to get a very excited fan base. Yeah. It's going to fill up a stadium. Roger Meta, Tennessee, Kentucky. I mean, why is Kentucky ranked exactly? They beat a bad Florida team and a bad LSU team barely. I always say this. It's four to five teams that are worth something. The rest is a dog and pony show. Kentucky is not a ranked team. They're not that good. You know, Hendon Hooker, Tennessee – one thing Kentucky can do is run the ball, um, you know, but if memory serves, Tennessee's not exactly terrible against the run. Uh, Kentucky should have lost to Chattanooga. Let's not forget that. Now, I know that was any given Saturday, and, you know, we really can't. The transit property doesn't exist if, if the, you know, Chattanooga were to play Tennessee. But, I, you know, I don't see it with that team. And Tennessee seems like they have a history of going in there and just kind of smacking them in the face. Like, hey, you have basketball for the most part. We have football. Whoa, whoa. That's it. <laughs> I will, I mean, for the most part. I mean, 
30 national championships to two or whatever, you know, like, yeah, I'm saying for Rick the most Barnes, part. Rick Barnes will tell John Calipari he has something different to say about that. Last two years, three years, you guys have been good. Bruce Pearl was even good, you know, until he got picked up. Uh, well, no, Bruce Pearl didn't even have a winning record against Kentucky. I think Barnes I know, but he was, like, he was a good Barnes coach. like though. nine and well, five against Kentucky. Kentucky's uh, good as winning was, a national championship. Tennessee's good Aaron, as making the Sweet 16. Aaron Next week, we're going to start talking Pearl. college basketball. So, a little yes. early talk. I did want to hit on a couple NFL games real quick. We're over time, but we'll wrap it up. Packers Chiefs, we get to see what the Packers may be in 22, the debut of Jordan Love. Anybody interested in seeing Jordan Love? Robbie Davis. I don't care about that. I do care about what, if anything, the NFL is going to do on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. If Goodell does not come down hard on him, then I'm not sure what all this was about. He allegedly lied to the Packers, lied to the NFL about his vaccination status, broke protocol that everyone else is following. He can't get to a new set of rules. If I'm Goodell, I sit him for the rest of the year and and find the Packers a million bucks. To, for, for Spygate, for cheat, for all these little – what they did to the Patriots, what they did to the Titans for Bud Adams slipping the birds. That's just, that's just it, people being in the motion. This was a plotted out design thing to endanger people's health. So Goodell better come down hard. If he doesn't, it's a double standard. And I think this is the way Goodell starts to lose his reputation and, and his job. Because this was blatantly against the rules and against what he designed to sell to keep players and fans safe. So I don't care about the game. I don't care about the game. I care about what Goodell does. I know, but here's the thing. Goodell is not pulling the strings. It's all the owners of the the teams that are pulling Goodell's strings. He's just a puppet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what is going on here is um, it, it, it comes back down to the business of things in big money markets and TV ratings. The Packers are nothing without Aaron Rodgers on TV right now. Um, I don't see Goodell doing anything harsh whatsoever. I, I see him rolling over. I see the owners. I see the owners pulling rank here, and I see uh, TV money and all that coming in. It is going to be the same old good old boy, you know, roll it under the rug type of deal, and it, it'll be a slap on the wrist at best. But remember, Green Bay doesn't have an owner. They're owned by the, the community. Again, it, I don't think that affects anything Fair at enough. all. Yeah. <laughs> Raj Meta. You know, he lied for all intents and purposes. He intentionally deceived. When he was asked if he was vaccinated, he said he was immunized. Nobody thought any different back then. He's a Cal Berkeley guy, originally uh, played college in uh, community college at Idaho, marrying a Hollywood star and all the liberals in Hollywood. I'm shocked by all this. I mean, the quarterback is surrounded by everyone. He's the team leader. He put everyone's health at risk. I I mean, even those that are vaccinated, there's a chance, uh, you know, uh, of still – I can't even think of the word because 
my wine is pretty good. But uh, transmission. Yeah, I just can't believe he would do such a thing. And Goodell is is limp. I mean, he does nothing. But they're going to sweep this under the rug, and I agree with Rob. They shouldn't. I, I mean, this is a team leader. This is a guy who put a lot of people at risk, and, and he intentionally deceived the world. And, and that's not acceptable. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I agree with you guys on that point. I'm just saying what I believe is going to happen with the NFL oh, yeah. just because of Probably how not. it's ran. Exactly. And it'll be a slap on the wrist and all these other headlines that are going on in the NFL will take precedent. It, that's that's just how that business works, unfortunately. They, they find the Patriots – what half a million dollars and draft picks for them putting a, a whatever the measurement was less than the football on a game they were up yeah. forty-one to seven. Yeah, like like a quarter of a pound of pressure yeah, less like, or something. Like you yeah. got to come in hard on this. You 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 find the Titans a quarter of a million dollars for Bud Adams flipping the bird to Houston. If if funny. the Packers if the Packers were not in the race at this point then I could see something like that happen to where it was, you know, just to make a, an example. But because they're somewhat in, still in the playoff race, and I, I just don't see it. He's and so then, arrogant. It makes if me nauseous. Was, this was and that's Aaron Owens. Rodgers, though. Yeah, if this that's was Terrell Owens, Terrell Owens would be oh. suspended for eight games. Exactly. Bryant, exactly. yeah. Yeah, but Aaron Rodgers is—he's just so arrogant. It makes me sick. He is, and you're absolutely right. He's He's such a a d-bag. Like I do not like that guy. Like his personality. Like he just walks around like he's better than everybody, and he really does. I mean, don't get me wrong. He he backs it up on the field. Like he's he's one of the best quarterbacks we've seen. You know, in a decade. You know, top ten, twelve, or whatever. But it's just unfortunate cool. that this happens and people even in this day and age still get special treatment regardless of what you know well we're, we're watching we're, i mean carson wentz is on the field here now so he's unvaccinated but he admitted it and so when he goes to the sidelines he has to put a mask on he has to sit in different right. quarterback it's rooms. a different protocol but like you yeah. it's okay it so it is okay to you be get unvaccinated if you choose to be so but right. you have to follow those rules. You can't lie exactly. about it and put people at risk when they they assume you are vaccinated. And that's the hundred percent agree. Problem. Yeah, it's not it's not about the choice of it. You know, right. It's if about you want to choose. It's just follow the rules of your decision. Like yeah, be, be honest. honest and just, those are the rules you have to follow. Yeah. Exactly. Because, uh, like one one more game we're going to talk about. Also, there's a breaking score out of Athens that I want to interrupt about for just a minute. Uh, it's a a huge story breaking news uh georgia's leading soccer potential first rounder projected as a top 10 pick adam anderson has been indefinitely suspended from the georgia football team and is being investigated for a a assault of a sexual nature after the florida game uh it sounds very bad for georgia and this was a stalwart of this defense. So, wow! Is this it was a rape allegation? Yes. Right. 
Absolutely. She said back in Athens between 12 and 7 a.m. when they went back to Athens, yes. she woke up and he was raping her um, yes. so after drinks. That is a huge story. I, arguably Georgia's best defender, uh, potential top end pick. That guy is class. I got a question for you two lawyers. Like, is that not like the hardest allegation to defend or believe or vice versa? Like, it's he said, she said. Like, I mean, aside from evidence initially, like, obviously the the male gets you know guilty until proven innocent initially. Um. What do you guys think about that? Like, what? How does that process typically work? Um, well, I'll let Rob. I'll let Rob finish. Uh, yeah, it's a different era. Back in the day, everyone seen the program. It, it was swept under the rug. He said, she said, she came to the house. She drank. She asked for it. I mean, that's ludicrous to me. Nowadays, right. you know, there are witnesses there. There's a rape kit involved, which I'm sure happened. Um, you know, there, there's a number of things involved in the laws almost as I believe it should be. Uh, you don't want to say the benefit given to the person that makes the allegation. But in, in this particular case, it's hard not to. I'm not phrasing that well. And Rob will be more eloquent than I. Um, but no, it's, it, you know, I think we have evolved from the he said, she said point, uh, period is my point. Um, yes. Whether that be, again, the witnesses uh, on the seed, those that are willing, you know, back in the day, even the local cops would sweep it under the rug. That doesn't happen anymore. And right. uh, like I said, the hospital involved, uh, I'm sure she, she reported it. So there's a rake involved. So, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty. But sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. And again, it's just an allegation. So we'll see. But like I said, Rob will be far more eloquent on this than I. Well, so there's two different aspects of this, I think. I think there's the, the suspension of the football team and the alleged crime in action. So I like – and it's just like let's assume it's – flipped or if it's um and there's no easy way to describe this but if yeah. it's not male on female or if it's female on female or if it's female versus male well you know like all right so it's what you think right so hey he came up and he had sex with me when i was asleep well does he know you're asleep like, I mean, because I, I know, and in, 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 I don't want to get too much of my personal life, but yes, there's been times where um, it just happens. People false. I mean, like it, the things happen. And so sure. is that a non-consensual encounter? And so it's very tough uh, to figure out what someone wants. Like I've heard, you know, and I've done, I've defended cases. I've, I've sued people both on the side of the fence, like, Oh, I wanted to say no, but I couldn't say no. Well, okay, well, then, and so, I, and again, I've, I've been on the, like, okay, there's a power dynamic and where I'm suing the person that was in the power. Also, on the other side, like, well, how's that person going to know you said you 
you said no if you didn't say no? Like, what's what's your subjective feeling, and how do you put that? Out? The, the, the long story short, and big answer to your question is, it is very very tough, and that's why good. you proceed with caution, you suspend, investigate, because you you can't do the opposite. Let them play and investigate. And if it comes back your facts are wrong, then so you have to suspend, investigate, yeah. see what happens, and then then let them come back and play or not let them play. I would I would think you know that's got to be obviously one of the toughest things to defend, uh, you know, in in court. But at the same time, you know, to to pass judgment one way or another, because well, there's, it, I'm sure there's been several cases throughout that have been, you know, judged one way or another, prejudged one way or another, where you you don't want to to put someone out to to make them not want to um you know call someone or tell someone that something happened because absolutely of that situation. Uh well yeah I'm I'm not gonna I was gonna make it you know what I'm saying? So but I don't know. It's just recently it's gotta be a really tough case in Knoxville with a player, AJ Johnson, who spent three years in court and he was acquitted, who is now currently the Alexander Johnson. And I believe he changed his name intentionally. That is a very successful NFL player with the Denver Broncos that lost three years of his playing career. At the end of the day, if a grown man, just like the Henry Ruggs situation, he needs to take responsibility. So we'll let the court play it out. But my point is bringing it up. That's a huge blow on the field to the nation's number one team. It is. And you hate to hear it. And you hope it's not what is being reported. But let's move on to we've, – we've really got – we've had a jam-packed show tonight. I mean, jam-packed. We could go on for another 45 minutes. Yeah, I, I haven't got to half my notes yet. Yeah, no. I, you know, we're trying to get under 100 minutes on our, on our, on our iTunes account. So – I want to go ahead and move on to my favorite segment, Bet Your Nuts. Bet Your Nuts is my favorite segment of the show. I hit last week. You already heard mine. My Bet Your Nuts, Michigan State, Purdue under Rod's meta. Robbie, I expect a double prediction out of you. I want a NASCAR prediction, too. I'm not super comfortable in this because I'm not a big fan of Bo Nix, but Auburn has shown an ability to get things done. And I think A&M is the most overrated team ever. They were as high as a fifth in the country. Calzada's no good. A&M's almost a five-point favorite. I'll take Auburn on the road. You know, I think they won. One common opponent they had was Arkansas, I believe. And I think Auburn won at Arkansas, yeah, by 15 when Arkansas was ranked. And uh, A&M lost to Arkansas, if memory serves, which it rarely does. Yes, they did at home. Transitive property doesn't exist, but I'm going Auburn. I think the public will bet it up a little bit, and uh, I'll take Auburn in the points. Brenda Chang, are you following me to West West Lafayette? (laughs) I do, I do love your bet your nuts, but I'm actually gonna follow you 
and your boy RD on the Vols. I bet your nuts that the Vols win over Kentucky. Um, that is my bet your nuts. Like, yeah, I, I've That's seen Maker. Nice I love it. Um, it's a pick 'em right nah. now. Right now, it's Tennessee minus one. I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doesn't matter. It's a pick It's a pick 'em. It's a pick 'em. I will I will take uh, the balls all day there. All right, Robbie Davis. If I don't leave here knowing who's going to win the NASCAR championship, I'm going to feel cheated. Well, so this is one of the most exciting finales that you're going to see in racing. You have Kyle Larson, who coming back from the brink, and you know what? I hate what he did. And um, I, I don't know if I think he should be back, but I do have enjoyed him being the second chance he's gotten, how great he's been this year. And you have Chase Elliott. Um, they are both teammates on Hendrick Motorsports. And so you have teammates battling each other for the championship. So Hendrick Motorsports has got the cha- championship in the bag. It's just which driver's going to win. Um, Larson is plus 190. Uh Elliot's plus 350. Man, for value, I don't see Larson losing, but I think I'm going to bet Chase Elliott, even though I've been on Larson all year long. Um, So I think Chase Elliott brings it home. Um, And then I'm with you guys. I take Vols minus one. I think they go up to Lexington in the cold weather and they win. And then this this runs three or four victories in a row, and the Vols have a good end of the season. Um, but if you don't want to get greedy, Larson's a good pick too. Both of these drivers are really good picks. And this is this is if you don't watch racing, you want to tune into one race this year. They're in Phoenix. It's gonna be a long track. It is gonna be exciting. Um, Do you not think that? Elliot and Larson chop pot before the race. They're like, who cares? Let's go. Oh, we'll split. No, no. This chop is this is a... Yeah, chop the pot. Chop the winnings. No. Uh, you gotta 50, explain. 50, oh. dude. Illegal oh. in your fantasy league. Chop pot leprechaun. That's so, over term. Sorry. Yeah, no, Raj knows what it is. Oh. He's he split the pot with Blake. He knows. He's a little yeah, you what? did chop pot with Blake. Um, That's right. Yeah, so, Two so, years ago. Not a okay. leprechaun. Blake, okay. Blake may be, but I'm not a leprechaun. Never, never mind, never mind, never mind. I'm, I'm just – because Hamlin's the third base. Hamlin and Elliot hate each other right now. So I think uh, Hamlin do everything to make Elliot lose. So I'm going Kyle Larson, even though it's terrible odds at plus 190, but that's on Larson and the Vols. All right. Well, I got an update before we go to our final closing segments. My dog runs my team, 42.4, Field of Dreams, zero. 11 seconds I, left. I, I got my double TD. Went to I have no one playing. Reviewed. Don't, hey, don't act like that. Where? Like I, hey, I wanted my double TD, and that's all I wanted. I, I may lose, but I sat You're going to lose. I mean. Can we not get a trade to go through in this league? What, uh, what, is, no, what is going I, on with that? I tried to random a bunch of a wuss. I, I only talk trash when I trades. actually play sports. I don't play sports anymore, so 
fantasy wise, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, my team's going to win. Uh-huh. Final thoughts. And we will discuss trades next week still. Can't get one through in this league. I tried to make one. With Randall. I'm happy to let one through. I just haven't seen an email or anything on Vito or Four. your password yet? I gave, yes, I've got it all situated now. I gave Randall Hopkins, and he wanted Cordero, Cordero Patterson. It was a fair trade, man, and uh, he got scared. He's like, well, I oh, uh, I my- made this trade last year, and I lost. I try to trade my whole team to Randall for Randall's whole team. Three and three teams going back and forth. That doesn't get more fair than that. And and Lenny started texting me me that I was a mockery to the league. (laughs) My final thoughts have – I go back to Atlanta. Oh, let me go around. First of all, that's so rude of me. No, you go first. You go first. Yeah, you should go first. My final thought about Atlanta, you know, we watch sports, and we love it. That's the reason we sat in here for an hour and a half on Thursday nights this night, and we do this. I don't root for the best franchise. I decided when I was eight years old that Atlanta I had been to. I think that's how I become an Atlanta fan. I'd been to Atlanta one time with my parents, and I went – Wow, that's a place I know where it is. Dallas might have well be a foreign land to an eight-year-old. And I've lived and died with the Braves, the Hawks, the Falcons. And you could not have picked worse franchises to grow up with. I mean, the Falcons were the worst team in the NFL. The Braves were horrible. The Hawks had a nice run, but never near a championship. So... I, a grown man should not have been excited as I was, but I put in a group text, and, and I really was. I was so nervous I couldn't watch the game. At 3 nothing, all I envisioned was how we were going to lose it. When it got to 4 nothing, I was like, I started feeling a little better and a little better. By the time it got to 7 nothing, my 11-year-old daughter was coming out in the living room asking me to calm down and lower my voice. She had school the next day. So a lifetime of being an Atlanta Braves fan, man, it feels good. Thank you for the journey. I watch them every, I record the Braves every single night. I may not watch it live, but when I come home, I do to watch. I will watch every pitch and fast forward. I can do a game in about three minutes. So go Braves. Thank you for a heck of a journey. Rod's meta. Um, well, first, I want to congratulate yourself. People hey, like sir. my wife, my father-in-law, for true Braves fans. You know, 1995 was a long time ago. I was a sophomore in college. I had a fake ID. It was, uh, it, it was a long-ass time ago. It was a magical season, and it proved that anything can happen in baseball, and that's the beauty of it. Who gets hot at the right time? You know, whose defense, whose bullpen, you never know. Everyone said the Dodgers were the best team and they'd face Tampa. Well, that didn't happen. It wasn't even close. And that's baseball. You just never know what's going to happen. Playoff baseball is amazing. Um, yeah, for long-suffering Braves fans, I, you know, I tip my cap. And uh, I'm right now, but my hands are underneath my desk. 
but it, it, it was a magical year and it proved that anything can happen. And finally, I wouldn't be ashamed of, you know, the beauty of sports and waiting so long and being so passionate about a city and teams is that it does bring out the inner child in you. It does remind you of, of those days when you were sitting in front of the TV when all you had to worry about was watching that game and, and that's all that mattered. Um, it's okay. You know, my wife and I joke around, you know, you let wins last for so long, except World Series wins, they can last for a year. You let losses last for so long. Um, but in the end, it brings you back to those times. And, and to me, that's along with loyalty and many other things, competition, that's the beauty of sports. Well said, well said. Brendan Jane, take us home. Yeah, so I remember as a kid, you know, watching the Braves and watching the Cubs, that was pretty much all we had on on TV. It was TBS or WGN. And I remember 95, they won. That was, you know, back in the day, Mark Lemke, Jeff Blauser, you know, Fred McGriff, Tom Glavin, Ron Gant, David Justice, I mean, Terry Pendleton. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. Those guys were awesome to watch. I was big into baseball at that time, especially I was I was still somewhat a Cubs fan, but I was a Braves fan too just because they were also regional. And those were only two games you really got to see. Um what what a run, what a magical time. Like I said, when, when they were playing the Dodgers and, and their bats were hot, like that's that's the type of magic that you see in a playoff run that, that has to happen. And you see that and you see a relentless team. Like they had the cards stacked against them with their best player going out, but as Rod stated, if that didn't happen, they wouldn't have got Solaire and the, you know, the other three picks. Or, I mean, just the stars aligned and this was just absolute magic. It was perfect. This is what baseball is about. This is the pastime. This is what we all love about the sport. It brings everyone together and you get to see something magical like that. So what a run. Congratulations to all the hardcore Braves fans, especially you. And, I mean, it was just – it was fun to watch as a fan. Stephanie Meta, she survives a house full of Dodger fans too. She does. And real quick, Smoltz said in 95 they were expected to win. This year no one expected the Braves throughout the entire year. In each series they were underdogs. Like Chain and I and Robbie and yourself have said – it's a magical run, man. It probably won't ever happen again, but at least it happened. Good right. run. Robbie Davis, you're the smartest man I know. Bring us home. So today, not necessarily today, but actually Tuesday marks the day where um, my wife will hear over and over and over again, I don't make the schedule. And so this is the glory time for me for sports. UT basketball starts on Tuesday. We still have college football. We still have NFL. We're going to have NBA. And from Tuesday until the first week in April, 
It is all UT basketball, bowl games, NFL, some NBA mixed in. It is the beauty of the sports season. Um, and congratulations to the Braves. I'm so happy they won the World Series. But I don't get to I, – I can't act like I, I'm a huge baseball fan and say, hey, Allison, I'm going to go watch the Braves game tonight. She's like, you haven't watched 162 of them. But admit, playoff baseball is different, though. I don't Way different. Playoff baseball is different. It, every it, pitch, it is, every it, pitch it, matters. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I know. I know the arguments. But, but I'm saying, like, yes – so this sports season coming up is my favorite time. We have uh, over Thanksgiving, I'm already planning on, you know, going to Savannah and just watching the tournaments. And, like, this is this is my sports season up until April. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. And um, from all accounts, Kennedy Chandler is the shiznit. And so um, we – Tennessee should be going some places. I heard that twice last year. They got to play together as a team. Basketball school. I I convert from a college football fan to an NFL fan, and I've got my first set of Falcons tickets coming up. I haven't been all year. Been going to college football, so I'm about to go see the Falcons play on a Thursday night. And I'm super excited, and I almost go from college football to NFL football fan, and it happens right there at the same time. But I also start with Tennessee basketball. And the one great thing about college basketball, seven days a week you can come home and find a matchup that is excellent. I've already been checking in-com rankings, and we haven't even played yet. He's refreshing me. Like, where's He's got preseason <laughs> rankings. He does, yeah. Uh, you're ahead of me. I got, I got to get to Kentucky week. So, uh, Also, tomorrow night, High school football playoffs open up. It's win or go home. Yeah, that's true. Is Baylor in the playoffs? Hey, I think I'll be – we're going to do our best up at Rowan County, but we drew – Hey, Randall, is is Baylor in the playoffs? Yes, of course. They pay a lot of money to make the playoffs, Rob. (laughs) I'd be shocked. Yeah, exactly. So – for Randall Cunningham, for Brenda Chain, which Stretch the Chain has become, did y'all see the name of the show tonight? Stretch the three. Stretch hours. the three hours. I know. Yeah. I actually, well, I don't, I don't I mind like this better. format because, to be honest, I mean the content is going to be somewhat repetitive. If I don't know, but I don't want to enter. Oh, I agree. On three hours. What are yeah. we going to do? Golf on your own? Like I know you love golf, but. That's not an hour show. Yeah, that, that's a 10-minute segment. <laughs> we should make right. this permanent. Just right. tell me when to show up, and I'll be there. Uh, yeah, we'll work on – I think we may be working towards something. Uh, I'm trying to close. Let's see. Let me start again. Four. Sorry. I'm trying to stay under two hours. For Brenda Chain. We're already Robert, over two hours. Robert Robert. Davis, good night. God bless. Oh, 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 I'll do the chop with you. Congratulations.